This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Live from the play show yet not over the ostentatious studios of CBS Sports Radio here in beautiful New York City, sitting on top of the 10th floor of 345 Hudson Street. Welcome on in to a Wednesday edition of the Zach Gelb Show across all of our great local CBS Sports Radio affiliates, Sirius XM, Channel 158, the free Odyssey app, and of course streaming on YouTube. 855-212-4CBS is the number to jump on in. 855-212-4227. You could always get at me on the good old cesspool of Twitter or on Instagram where I'm straight flexing. At Zach Gelb, that's Z-A-C-H-G-E-L-B. Got Moist Mike and also Stuart Kovacs along the other way. And we're rocking and rolling all the way up until 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. And we usually do not start the show with the guests right out of the gate. But when Sean Merriman hits us up and says he wants to come in studio and chat up a little football and also talk about Lights Out Extreme Fighting, which they have a great event coming up Saturday, November 18th, Thunder Studios. And you can watch it via Fubo Sports. We always say, of course, welcome in Sean Merriman, because if we don't bring him into the studio, I'll make the first cheesy joke of the day. Then I'll probably turn the lights out <laughs> on us. Sean Merriman, great to see you as always. How you been? I'm doing well, man. How about yourself? Well, I'm doing fantastic. Always appreciate when you join us. I got to start you off with your Chargers. It's been an up and down season through the first nine weeks of the season as they get ready for the Lions this upcoming weekend. They're a four and four football team, but I don't feel great about them. Where are you at with the Chargers? Well, I think that, you know, starting the season out, the expectations were high, right? If you look at their roster with Cannon Island and JC Jackson, who was there, and Joey Bosa, Khalil Mack, you know, Derwin James, Eckler. So you're looking at this team and saying, man, these guys are going to win a championship on paper. Um, and then, you know, they're starting out, and, you know, they had. Uh, uh, in my opinion, now looking at what, what the Dolphins end up being, yeah. it was a tough game, right? A shootout with 36-34. Um, and then they followed up a couple weeks after that and put on 70 on Denver. So, you know, that didn't look as as bad as it did. Um, but then they had a couple games, in my opinion, that dropped that they should have won. They, I, in my opinion, they should have beat the Dallas Cowboys. I thought that was an easily one game for them. Um, but what I also try to tell people is that they have a new offensive coordinator in Keller Moore. And they're not playing a lot of preseason games now. And so I think the expectations were so high that you got this high-power quarterback in Justin Herbert, you know, biggest arm, strongest arm in the National Football League to come out and perform right away and start doing record-setting numbers. And when that didn't happen, everything hit the fan. And so I feel a lot more confident in them now after watching the other night. And I know the Jets aren't that great of a team. I think that they still got the, probably one of the best defenses in, that, in, in the NFL. Um, but I saw something the other night, Monday night, that I didn't see the whole entire year. I saw them having fun. I didn't see that the last, you know, five to six weeks. I haven't seen that. And so, you know, guys are having the sack dance and Thule and, and Bosa, they're going back eight, well, seven or eight sacks in, in that game. And I know it was against the Jets. But I saw them doing something that they didn't do an entire year, and that's playing with passion, playing fast, and playing and having fun doing it. 
So here's my problem with the Chargers. On paper, everything that you just said I agree with. They should be a great team. And I think at best this year, their ceiling's going to be making the playoffs. And there's no progress from last year to this year. And quite frankly, I think they're going to miss the playoffs. And there's going to be regression. I just watch that team and I go, there's so much talent. There's so many guys that I should want to root for and, and that should be playing at a high level. And I just put it back to coaching. How much is it? That Brandon Staley just doesn't have it, and he's just not ready to be the head coach right now of this well, team. Well, I said this, and he came out in his last press conference, not this past game, but the game they lost before, and he put everything on his shoulders because there was no other person to put it on, right? You can't keep, sit up here and keep blaming Justin Herbert because he's had three or four offensive coordinators since he's been in the league, what, three, four years now. So we And we know what he's capable of doing. He's still, with all the, the switching of the court, uh, coordinators, he still has broken numerous records, right? He's still setting records left and right. We know what he's capable of doing. Keenan Allen, still one of the best wide receivers in the National League. That one-handed football. catch was sick. It was, it was yeah. stupid. That, I mean, it was ridiculous. Um, but we know what he's capable of doing. Obviously, Mike Williams going down with that knee, it, it affected them and hurt them a bit. Uh, but once they start getting Quentin, Quentin Johnson, the new kid from TCU, when, once they get him in a mix, this is, is going to give them another weapon on offense. Brandon Staley, I'll, I'll say this. I'm not. I don't agree with that. All the fourth and one calls, and you know, I don't agree with all all of those. But one thing I will say is he's a really good leader, and he finds a way to lead. The only problem I've always had with Brandon Staley is everything is not data driven, right? Football is not played with data and numbers. Football is played with emotion and passion, and being able to pin your ears back, go out there and get after whoever has the football in their hands. That part I I thought was missing a little bit, and. When you have an offensive coordinator like Kellen Moore who come in, and we, we know he's explo- he, 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 he draws up explosive plays. But the defense was giving up a whole lot. They wasn't playing with a lot of energy. And it was like a trickling ef- effect of, you know, everyone coming in saying, get, let's get rid of Staley, let's do this, let's do that, and no no real plan of action, right? And so having that win against the Jets, they go out, and they, if you look at their schedule, it's favorable. Outside of the, I think the Ravens they got coming up is going to be a tough game. The Bills going to be a tough game. But if you look at their schedule from here on out, they can run the table if they play at that level. The problem is with them is it what team is going to show up? That's and and that's me. I'm at every home game. Um, I'm there. I still you know obviously run an organization a lot. It's just if the, if the team that we all think they are show up, no one's going to beat them. The problem is what team is going to show up. Let's just say the team that you expect them to be yeah. doesn't happen. And at the end of the year, they're looking for a new coach. Would you want Bill Belichick coaching this team next year if he's available? No. Why not? No. I, I think that um, you, you ever heard of, heard of the term of, of a guy that's playing too long when it's time to retire? Like he just over overplaying, overstaying what he's done. There's nothing wrong. with Bill Belichick was great for two decades. Two decades of football. And he hasn't had the tools in having another – not, not even – it wouldn't be another Tom Brady, but at least a capable quarterback that can go out and perform. He hasn't had that in Mac over there. But I think it, the coaching time for Bill Belichick in, in this age, day and age, has passed him. And I'm not saying he can't be a good coach somewhere else. I'm just saying that it's a new, it's a new breed of, of, of athletes to come in. Um, and I said the same thing about uh, uh, the, the coach for for Denver, um, Sean um, Payton. Sean Payton, when he called out Russell Wilson and doing, I, I I love Sean Payton as a coach. I would love to play for him, but in this day and age, times are different. Guys can't handle you getting on them in public. Guys can't handle sometimes that style of coaching. 
Um, and now nowadays with these guys, you have to have a more personal approach. It's the reason why uh, McDaniels is doing well out there in Miami. He's very personable. He can relate to a lot of these a lot of these guys. And sometimes when you have a Sean Payton, Bill Belichick, that's been great for so long, the game can sometimes pass you by in the way you coach. The, your your style of coach and the way you go about things are a lot different now than they was, was 10, 15 years ago. The reason why I bring up Belichick is because we saw Brady a few years ago where he knew New England didn't have the roster anymore, where they could still go win 10, 11, 12 games where they weren't going anywhere. And I feel as if when you look at Belichick, I still believe he could coach. Now, I think there's a limited window how much longer he could go. He is 71, and you bring up valid points. The Patriot way isn't for everybody, but you go to this Charger team. They're loaded with talent, and they're missing that great coach. That's why I thought it would be a good fit. No, look, I'm not saying – and by the way, I, I would never say a great coach is not great anymore. I mean, you can you can coach until you're 90 if you can coach. Yeah. You know, if you have – be healthy. Yeah if, you, yeah, if you're healthy and you got the energy to do it. My thing is is that I think that when, when Sean McVay came in, it really opened up everyone's eyes into the younger, uh, the more relatable – style coaches, player-friendly, player-friendly, that can get you to play for them. Dan, I'll use Dan Campbell as one. Dan Campbell is a prime example yeah. of of getting your guys to play for you. Nick Sirianni the same way Sir, in Philly Nick too. Sirianni the same way. Getting your guys to play for you. And so, Bill, and nothing, and I, again, I played against Bill Belichick for a long time. <laughs> and I know how great of a coach he is. But when you talk about this day and age in the game, it the time has is, is changed tremendously. So to expect Bill Belichick to come, even with the talent and the roster that the Chargers have, and not let's not talk about the money he's going to ask for. Let's let's you know the money he's going to ask for is going to be more than the Chargers. Spanos family may yeah. say no thanks. <laughs> I, I, look, I, I said it, you did it. I, yeah, yeah, you know they they not they, they not going they not going out and splurging. Let's say that. Yeah. Um, but also too, I think that if you're going to replace them, I think that they have. Somebody on staff. I think Keller Moore can step in there and be a, Interesting. A, a good head coach. I think that that could have been a move the whole entire time if Brandon Staley didn't, you know, kind of turn over a new leaf. But let's see what the rest of this season holds because so many people will start will yell, "Let's let's fire, let's hire, let's do this." But who, who? Right? You go out and, and you make another big acquisition. You bring somebody else in and they don't pan out. Then what? Right now you got a new a new head coach, new offensive coordinator, all these people with a star quarterback and a star team that you're going to wait, end up wasting because you thought that this was the right move. So if you're going to hire – and I said the same thing with, uh, with, with Benemy, right, and with the commanders. Sure. I played for Ron Rivera. Ron Rivera is a, is a great coach, great person, great man. But if they get – move on from Ron at any point in time, it's going to be Benemy. Interesting. I don't think it would be. I I think that, I, I think that's the I think that's the only way I think that's the only reason why he why would you you know for, in my opinion why would you leave the Kansas City Chiefs and the team that you have down that you won championships with you got the greatest quarterback in football and, and possibly can go down as one of the best of all time why would he leave that position he's in to go to the Commanders because as crazy as it sounds and there could be legs for him to be the head coach and I think he should get a head coaching job yeah he was in Kansas City and he did everything that he could. <laughs> And he wasn't getting anywhere closer in this crazy hiring cycle to getting the job. So I think he felt, even if he won't say this, that he had to leave the Chiefs. So he has the total control of the offense and doesn't have Patrick Mahomes because they kept on using excuse after excuse why to not hire this guy when he absolutely should have got a head coaching job a few years ago. Heck, if Josh McDaniels, who I like, got a second head coaching job after what happened in Denver and we saw what happened with the Raiders, how the heck does Bianami not get a job? I don't don't know how... 
<laughs> Listen, I mean, that, I mean that's a whole that's a whole other beast. I, I, first of all, I never understood how a head coach a head coach have no success somewhere and to have another head coach's job somewhere, right? If you are decent and you have you, show even, some signs, yeah. If you if you show some signs, like you, even Belichick when he was in Cleveland, yes, one time made the playoffs, won a playoff game against Parcells. Yes. There were signs, even though the overall tenure wasn't wonderful. No, no question about it. And you know, I, I've played, you know, Wade Phillips, right? Great, great. Coach, and you know he's won a certain place or whatever, but he was also looked at as questionably a, not that great of a head coach. I thought he, I thought he was, but the same thing with Benjamin, same thing with Kellen Moore. I think these guys are next in line, and there's no reason to bring them in if you're not going to give them that opportunity. Two other coordinators that I like: Ben Johnson with the Lions and yes. Luana Rumo uh, with the defensive coordinator for the Cincinnati Bengals. But just going for a big splashy name. With the scandal now pending at Michigan, Harbaugh, who knows how many games are going to hit him with the suspension. He'll probably get an injunction. will be able to get that stay and not miss any games right. this year. I think this is setting up for Harbaugh to go back to the NFL in a place, by the way, where the guy in four years as head coach with the 49ers, three NFC championship games with a Super Bowl appearance. No, no, that could be somebody. But then guess what happens? You know, Harbaugh's going to come in and bring his own guys. Yeah, it's a good point. So he's going to come in bringing, rightfully so, he's going to come in bringing the team as he should. As he should. That means you're you're in the fifth offensive coordinator yeah. for your bet for your your star quarterback. That to me doesn't make any sense, right? If you continue now, if they decide to keep Kellen Moore there, Kellen Moore wants to stay there, and they and they go to uh, Jim Harbaugh and they want to do that, I think that makes more sense. But if he comes in, bring his whole entire new staff, new coaches on the both sides of the ball, right, offense and defense. You're asking them to learn something completely new when you just made an, another adjust. You can't. You can't do that. And I always try to use these examples when you're talking about like a regular job, right? A corporate. If if every year you come in, there's a there's a new dress code. There's a new uh, you know clock in, clock out, a new system platform. You got to learn every single year. You're probably not going to be that great at your job, and that's what's been happening with the charges. Wrap it up with Sean Merriman. We'll talk about lights out, extreme fighting in just a second. Um, I want to ask you about the Jets. And, like, you have a defensive player view. The Jets' defense is awesome. The Jets' defense is really talented. But on offense, without Aaron Rodgers, Zach Wilson is terrible. Now, like, where are they going to go to? Tim Boyle. They have Trevor Simeon. Right. But if you're a defensive player with clout in a locker room, like a Quinn and Williams or a Sauce Gardner, and you had clout in the locker room, would you go to Robert Sala and say, Coach, I know we don't know anything about the other guys, and they're not probably any good. But we got to give them a chance because Zach just isn't the dude. I think they got more problems on offense than just Zach Wilson. I, don't, I actually don't think he's that bad of a player. Now I've seen some because we've seen signs of him actually being able to deliver good footballs. You know, we we can also tell that Aaron Rodgers kind of been rubbing off of him a little bit in, in a way. His if you look at his interviews, you just listen to him and watch how he functions. It's completely different than who he was last year. So there's growth, no doubt about that. They're not blocking. Yeah, the line's terrible. They're terrible. People forget how did Aaron Rodgers get hurt in the first place by getting hit. He no one blocked. It was th- one person hit him when he tore his Achilles. But if you look at that, there were three people around him ready to hit him at the same time. They wasn't blocking the soul. And so if you get an inexperienced quarterback who we deem is not that great in the first place, and say, "Hey, we want you to be Aaron Rodgers," well, you're not. Aaron Rodgers can overcome a bad offensive line. Aaron Rodgers can overcome a bad system. Aaron Rodgers can overcome these things. Zach Wilson cannot. I would say that if they were able to give a a really good offensive line, 
that we will finally see, and people will finally see that Zach, Zach Wilson can actually play. And that's the reason why he hasn't been benched yet, because as a defensive player, trust me, if we felt like there was a, a the, the guy behind him that can go out and play better than him, you get four or five stars in your defense, and you go to Coach uh, Solani, uh, Solani, you say, hey, look, we want him to start. We're going out playing our asses off, and we just need a little bit of help. We think that that is the guy. You think for, uh, for, for Robert being the, the player's coach that he is, that he's not going to listen to those five guys? He is. But I feel like right now, Zach Wilson may be their best chance because they realize they have bigger holes in that offense than just Zach Wilson. Sean Merriman here with us. So, sign stealing. I, I think this is a fascinating conversation because you have Ohio State and Penn State fans up in arms. I feel as if a lot of the former athletes that I talk to go – yeah, did they go about it the right way? No, but in reality, sign stealing is not that big of a deal. You played. I'm sure you've been on teams that had the other team signs and all that because it's been part of the game. How do you react to what's happening at Michigan? I played against the Patriots my whole career. <laughs> <laughs> sign stealing was just a just a startup for them. That was nothing. Um, you know, I, I remember we had you know how we couldn't leave certain parts of our playbooks. Or plays game plans in hotels because we heard that they had maids come to clean up and taking our plays, and this is all real. It was told to us while we were there, um, so that that part of it's real. I I just think that this is overblown, man. And if there wasn't so much pressure from the media and then out out people outside the building, this wouldn't be a big deal. We all know and understand that there's three uh, signal callers on the sideline. And the reason why there's three is because we're all as players looking to the sideline to see which signal call is matching up to what they're starting to do, right? So if, if the defense or offense is out there um, yelling out a color and we see this guy sitting up and he's holding up five and he's doing certain things with his hand, what, you're you're right there in front of me. Of course I'm going to look. And if I can pick up a uh, a signal, if I can pick up any kind of consistency of a hand movement or call, whether it's a strong left or right, if I start hearing them, a lot of teams will start yelling out states that were on the East Coast or West Coast. If I pick up anything during that game, I'm taking it. And so I think that the public and the media is putting so much pressure on this deal that Michigan had to go out and do something about it. But everybody know to play the game. If you find a way that you see that guy in the middle out of those three guys and he is the one that's calling the plays in second quarter, guess who we're looking at? You can call it stealing all you want to or do something else about it. I don't think that this is a big deal. Big deal. I think it's uh, you know very, very over-exaggerated in what happened. Now, you can go about how they you know went on the road games and they, yeah. they did, you know, they, the they, Marine. Yeah, yeah. They, they, <laughs> it's a crazy story. Yeah, they, they you know, it, I think more is going to come out in the investigation. They'll see, like, how much detail that they went into, you know, into sign stealing. But anybody that think that they're calling those signs on the sideline and the guys don't look or they're not listening, it's crazy. Wrap it up with Sean Merriman. Before we let you run, tell me a little bit about Lights Out Extreme Fighting and this uh, next chapter, the next fight that you guys come. Yeah, we, we got a huge fight in Long Beach. Um, Lights Out Extreme Fighting 12. Uh, we got a big, big card, man. A couple of these guys, I think, will probably leave us and go to the UFC after this fight. Victor Roses is there headlining us. Um, you know, we got Tommy Aaron, who's Tony Ferguson's guy on the card as well. Alba Morales is uh, fought in the UFC before he's on this card. Fighting Ramos, who's uh, out of Nick and Nate Diaz's camp. So I expect Nick or Nate to be at the fight. Also, Tony Ferguson as well. Um, this one's going to be big. November 18th, uh, you guys got to watch this. We'll be live on Football Sports, Football TV. You don't want to miss this one. 
Uh, and for me, it's fun because we know we have the next up-and-coming superstar. So I can look, you know, down the fight card and be like, okay, yeah, this this guy's gone. That guy, or she's gone. You know, she's going to go to the UFC. Uh, so it's been it's been really fun for me. Well, not only that in the scouting department, I also hear uh, your son's turning into quite the football player yeah. in eighth grade. Yeah, I was, uh, you know, he just made a New Jersey All-Star team. Congratulations. Um, appreciate it. And, you know, they got the, the last year they won the Nationals. Uh, their first game was December 5th. Uh, yeah, he plays quarterback, wide receiver, and, and they got him playing corner cornerback some, even though he won't hit a soul. Uh, but he'll, he'll go <laughs> so not saying, made for defense. Is yeah, what you're yeah. Saying. Look, I, I told him. I said, look, the opposite yeah, of his old man. That's right. No, I said if you hit somebody, I'm running onto the field. They're going to drag me off because I don't. I don't believe he'll hit anybody. <laughs> that's amazing, Sean Merriman. Best of luck. Uh, make sure you check it out on Fubo Sports. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me. It is Zach Gelb show on CBS Sports Radio. We'll come on back when we return. We'll react to the latest college football playoff rankings from last night. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. All right, it is the Zach Gelb Show on CBS Sports Radio. Busy Wednesday show. Uh, Devin McCourty is going to stop by at 5.20 p.m. Eastern, 2.20 p.m. Pacific. We'll get his reaction to the first nine weeks of the season from the NBC Sports analysts and also former New England Patriots safety via Rutgers. So a whole lot cooking on this Wednesday. Um, I got to get to the latest college football playoff rankings from last night. I thought there was going to be some movement because you know that this is done for TV. You know that this is done for reaction. I thought the committee would move Georgia up to one. I also thought that there was a chance they put Alabama in front of Texas, which I'm glad that they didn't because it would make no sense when they had the same record and Texas beat Alabama head-to-head why you would move Alabama in front of Texas. But you know, whenever Alabama even when they looked like they were dead and they found a way the last few weeks to keep their season alive and then make that dominant statement up against LSU. And even though LSU has fallen to 19, heading into last week, they were in the top 15, and Alabama already beat Ole Miss, who was also in the top 15. The committee a week ago told you the reason why Ohio State was number one was because they were the only team to have two top 15 victories at the time when they did take care of Notre Dame, and um, they also, with Ohio State, had that victory up against Penn State. So they keep Georgia in at number one. 
Um, even though now Notre Dame is outside of the top 15 as they in the latest rankings were number 20. So uh, really, I look at the the committee and I just still, I guess I could understand why you put Ohio State one. But if you watch the games, it's tough to believe that Ohio State's the number one team in the country. Because you look at, I'll just highlight three games. The game against Notre Dame. They should not have won that game. Now, you could say, Zach, it doesn't matter what should, what should have happened. We talk about what did happen. But when you look back at that Notre Dame game, it does fit into really what this Ohio State team is, where their defense is the story, and their defense is really good. You have the best non-quarterback in the country in Marvin Harrison Jr., but outside of that, it ain't all that impressive with the Ohio State Buckeyes this year. And maybe Kyle McCord will play, will save his best game for last up against Michigan coming up on Thanksgiving weekend. But in that game up against Notre Dame, he threw what should have been picked off. And sometimes you get a fortuitous bounce. Sometimes you get a break. But he threw a ball that was an easy interception that would have lost him the game. And we all know what happened on the final play of the game. Notre Dame only had 10 people on the field. That sloppy preparation, that sloppy execution by the Fighting Irish. And to Ohio State's credit, they did take advantage of it. But I just look at Ohio State, they do not feel as if they are, I don't feel as if they're the number one team in the country. And I've said this before, I think there are five teams right now better than Ohio State. I think Georgia beat Ohio State if they played tomorrow. I think Michigan would beat them if they played tomorrow. I think Washington would beat them. I think Oregon would beat them. You know, Florida State would be a close game, but I've seen a certain toughness from Florida State's quarterback in Jordan Travis that I have not seen from Kyle McCord this year. And when you continue on with Ohio State, yeah, they were better than Penn State. No question. Absolutely. But it was their defense. Like offensively, if Penn State had any resemblance of an offense during that game and they knew how to coach and they trusted Drew Allimore, which I don't get why they didn't in that game, Ohio State could have easily lost that game. But they didn't. And then last week, it's tough to say that you should be the number one team in the country when at halftime, Rutgers has your number. Like, Rutgers is having a solid season. This is not a shot at Rutgers. For Rutgers standards, they're having a really good season under Greg Schiano. But when you have to grind it out through the first uh, 30 minutes and then have it be a game in the third quarter, I know they pulled away late so you could dress it up as a better win than what it actually was. That just does not scream to me as a team that I already had questions about that they should still be number one. And Georgia, Georgia should be number one until they go down. Even with the Brock Bowers injury, it has not impacted them. I know you could say, well, who has Georgia really played? Uh, Georgia's game last weekend, you know, I'll give them credit because that Missouri team finally has their uh, damn act together. And they did a nice job. You know, it was a good game. The, the game of the week prior, they blew out Florida. You know, Kentucky... Right? Kentucky was in the top 25 when they played. They blew out Kentucky 51-13. to So for Georgia, who has a big game this weekend up against Ole Miss, and then they play Tennessee. And let's just look at, at the rankings right here real quickly. When you have Ole Miss in at number 9, and then Tennessee is in at 13 in the college football playoff rankings. If Georgia wins both of those games, just heading into the final week of the season, how are you going to keep 
Georgia off that number one spot. Where if you look at Ohio State, before the Michigan game, they have Michigan State and Minnesota. So if you're telling me, like, let's just look at this, Georgia compared to Ohio State. If you're telling me that the reason why Ohio State last week was in, was at number one was because they have the two top 15 victories. Well, then, for the Georgia Bulldogs, they would have had defeated already Missouri, Ole Miss, and Tennessee if they win these next two games. And those are three teams right now that are in the top 25 and that, when you look at it right now, are in the top 15 because Missouri is also at 14 right now. So Georgia's a better team than Ohio State. Georgia should be number one. And I think a lot of us would agree. And to be fair, you judge it based off this year. Michigan really hasn't played anybody. But Michigan's going to beat Ohio State this year. Uh, There's no doubt in my mind about that. I just think Michigan all around is a better team. But you know what my biggest gripe is actually with the committee? And I say this as someone that's a big fan of Mike Norvell, a big fan of Jordan Travis, a big fan of Jared Verse, and what Florida State has done. The thing I don't get the most is how Washington is in there at at number five. If you look at all these teams that's in front of Washington, Ohio State, Georgia, Michigan, Florida State, nobody has a better win than Washington. Washington beat Oregon in that crazy back-and-forth game, which I hope we see a rematch of the Pac-12 championship, and Oregon is sitting there in at number six. Like, that Washington win up against Oregon is better than anything Ohio State has done this year, anything Georgia has done this year, anything Michigan has done this year, and anything Florida State has done this year. So I don't understand how the committee keeps on putting Washington for back-to-back weeks in at number five. They should be in the top four. And you look at the Washington schedule the rest of the way, and they just came off a very good victory up against UNC, uh, USC back-and-forth game after the last two weeks. Those games have been close. They've been tight up against Stanford and Arizona State. But still for Washington, they got a gauntlet the rest of the way. You play two top 20 teams in Utah and Oregon State, and you got Washington State to wrap up the season. So there's no margin of error for Washington, and I just hope that whoever wins the Pac-12 doesn't have two losses because if they have two losses, they're not going to get in the college football playoff. But it's crazy to me how from top to bottom, the Pac-12 has been the best conference in college football this year. And their two best teams are five and six. And neither of them are good enough to be in the top four. It just, it does not make any sense to me. Hey, real quickly, I want to play this it's from ESPN. This was uh, Boo Corrigan going back to why Ohio State is ranked over Georgia still. Listen up. I think the key in, what, in the question, Reese, is... They're not mutually exclusive. It's not one or the other. You know, as we look through it, and you can tell by our rankings right now with Ohio State and the big wins they've had, including last week over, you know, a top 20 defensive team in Rutgers in Georgia and the way they've played their games, big win over Missouri, um, you know, the other wins that they've had this year. That's a lot of a lot of rambling that goes on when they try to justify these decisions. Ultimately, here's what I think ends up happening. I do believe Michigan's going to win the Big Ten, so they're going to get in. I will still say Georgia wins the SEC, but I'm buying more stock into Alabama. I'm going to say that Florida State is undefeated. And I do kind of feel like right now, in a Pac-12 championship rematch, Oregon is going to beat Washington. 
So if I had to make a guess today on who the four teams would be in no order, actually, I'll give you an order. I'll say Georgia's one, Michigan's two, I guess Florida State would be three, and then Oregon would be four. And maybe you could flip-flop Florida State and Oregon. But that's who I think your four teams are going to be. Now, here are the two things that I'm most fascinated by to look for. What happens if Georgia's undefeated before the SEC title game and they lose to Alabama in the SEC title game? Are you keeping Georgia out of the playoff with one loss? That's something. The other thing is, I just sent you the scenario, Washington, Oregon, who right now are five and six. They have that rematch in the Pac-12 championship game. And if it goes, I just predicted Oregon beat Washington the second time around. And let's say they win by three points. What do you do with Washington if they are undefeated going into that Pac-12 championship game and they lose to Oregon, who they already beat, and they lose to the Pac-12 championship game by, like, let's say, three points again or a touchdown or less? Those are the two things to monitor. And I know other scenarios will determine if you could get two SEC teams in, if you could get two um, Pac-12 teams in as well, and it's what other dominoes are going to fall and who's going to kick themselves out of the picture. But those are two things I'll be fascinated by because could you imagine if Georgia, who's won the last two national championships, goes undefeated in the regular season, and then in the SEC championship game, they lose in a close game to Alabama. You know the committee's going to do everything in their power to try to put Georgia in the college football playoff. But will there be a justification to knock one of those teams out? All righty, we'll take a break here. When we do come on back, we got a little uh, preview on the NFL slate for this upcoming weekend as we start to flip the page to Week 10, which kicks off tomorrow with that wonderful Thursday night football game. Trust me, guys. We're not previewing the Thursday night football game when we come on back. Justin Fields is out, so Tyson Bajan is going to start once again going up against the Carolina Panthers. But there's two games this weekend that I'm just curious to see for both of these teams in these two matchups, how they're going to play and how they're going to perform. Because truly, I think it's a coin flip and these games could go either way. Update time first. Here he is, the Ackman, Rich Ackerman. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Modelo. If you've persevered through, you deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame, two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice cold reward. Modelo, the Markable Fighter. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. There are any number of reasons you might consider selling your home. That's where an agent who is a realtor comes in to navigate the process to sell your home in a way that's right for you. Because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. All right, it is Zach Gelb show on CBS Sports Radio, and it's time to ask the pros where you, the listener, gets to ask us a question brought to you by O'Reilly Auto Parts. Simply tweet your question at CBS Sports Radio or at Zach Gelb, Z-A-C-H-G-E-L-B, using the hashtag AskThePros, and be listening later in the show 
when we might answer your question. Think O'Reilly Auto Parts for all your car care needs. Get guaranteed low prices and excellent customer service from the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Um, Two things for this upcoming weekend in the NFL. And you take a look at the slate. Tomorrow's going to be a snooze fest between the Carolina Panthers and the Chicago Bears. Colts and Patriots in Germany on Sunday, not a lot of interest. Texans-Bengals could be a good game. Saints and Vikings, eh. Like, yeah, record-wise, sure, two five and four teams, but do you get really that pumped up for Josh Dobbs against Derek Carr? Maybe the Josh Dobbs storyline, a little bit intriguing. Packers-Steelers, boring game, but two legendary franchises. Uh, Tennessee against Tampa. Will Levis against Baker Mayfield. Eh. Browns and Ravens, that's going to be an excellent game with those two defenses, and this is a lot of pressure this week on Deshaun Watson going up against Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. Falcons and Cardinals, okay, return to Kyler Murray. A little intrigue there. And then what's going to happen here with another week of Taylor Ham Heineke starting? Giants and Cowboys, that's going to be a slaughter fest, especially with Daniel Jones now being out for the year, and they announced that Tommy DeVito is starting once again. Commander Seahawks, probably going to be a, a sloppy game. Jets and Raiders, my condolences to everyone in America that has to watch that game. And then you have the Broncos and the Bills on Monday night. That's another snooze fest. But the two games I left out, and these are probably the two games I'm most fired up to see this weekend. You know, you could make a case Browns and Ravens as well. But these two games, I truly don't have a feel as to which team is going to win. I think both teams have major statements to make. You look at the 49ers and the Jaguars. The 49ers are coming off a bye week. The 49ers have just lost three games in a row. And you go up against a Jacksonville team who's 6-2. and two. And we could all acknowledge that the Jaguars are a good team. But is the Jaguars ceiling just being a good team? Where you could get into the playoffs like you did last year. Well, you'll easily win that division. And then you could win a playoff game. But when you get to the second round, are you just still a year or two away? And when you have a window where you're making the playoffs in back-to-back years, which the Jaguars are going to do, you got to pounce. It's go time. Because as we've seen in Buffalo, right, where Buffalo, they made the playoffs with Terod Taylor, then they missed the playoffs, then they get Josh Allen. Once Josh Allen figures it out after one bad season, they start to take over inside the AFC especially when Brady leaves and Brady goes to Tampa to start that 2020 season. The Bills are right there. And the Bills had some extremely tough losses in the postseason early on. And we were all like, all right, the Bills will eventually get one. And now look like, uh, look where we're at with the Buffalo Bills. We all talk about the Bills as, man, has their window closed? Has their their best moments, are they behind them? And they're looking at them in the rearview mirror. So for the Jaguars, in theory, You have a long window here because of your coach, Doug Peterson. There's no questions about him. Because of your quarterback and Trevor Lawrence, he's really good. But you never know what's going to happen. Like, you look at that division. That division isn't good. But C.J. Stroud right now, he's really happening with the Texans. So that freedom that you have in the division may not be as long and the way that we thought it was heading into this season. And also, for the Jaguars... Yeah, I guess you could now call that win up against the Steelers a good win. You know, the win up against the Bills, sure, it's a good win. But the Bills and the Steelers are no threats this year. And you go through their schedule, Jacksonville. 
they beat the Colts where they were once trailing and they had to come from behind to get that W. They lose to the Chiefs. They lose to the Texans. They beat the Falcons. They beat the Bills. They beat the Colts. They beat the Saints. They beat the Steelers. They don't really have a marquee victory on their schedule. And I've said this before about Jacksonville. That week two performance against Kansas City. Well, I remember I was filling in on this show. It was over the summer, and Maggie goes, how far would you go with the Jacksonville Jaguars? And I'm like, I think they could go to an AFC championship this game. You know, AFC championship game this year. I was bullish on the Jags. I was a believer in the Jags. I called them a dark horse to potentially get to the Super Bowl before the start of the season. But you got Kansas City in week two when Kansas City was quote-unquote vulnerable. Just getting Travis Kelsey back. Just getting Chris Jones back. And it's not as if Kansas City put up this ridiculous number on the scoreboard and you lost in a shootout. They only put up 17 points. I really thought the Jags, and I was a believer in the Jags. I picked the Jags to win that game. I plus the points on the Jacksonville Jaguars in that game. And I ended up losing the bet. But that was a game for me that said, I got to put a pause on the Jaguars. Because even though the Jaguars are a good team, I can't put them in a level of greatness if they're really non-competitive up against Kansas City in a game where Kansas City wasn't even all that competitive. Because if you would have said to me before that game, Kansas City only scored 17 points, I would have said, how many points did the Jaguars win by? And Jacksonville didn't even get a touchdown in that game. They only scored a lousy nine points. So that's a game this weekend. For the 49ers, you lose this one. Even though you get the benefit of the doubt, we're all going to look at you and say, all right, now Debo's back. You got healthier. You're coming off the bye, and you're 5-4. and four. Think about that if the 49ers lose this weekend. You go from some dopes in the media, which had no chance of ever happening, saying, oh, the 49ers could go undefeated this year, to then, before we even serve out some lasagna or Samter does uh, carve out the turkey and, and carve up some turkey, you could have the 49ers already with four losses. And for the Jaguars, you win this game, it's a huge statement. You go to 7-2, and two, you beat one of the better teams in the NFC, and maybe that starts to turn heads on the way that we think about them. But if you lose, it's like you're 6-3, and three, and I think you're just a good team, not a great team. Now, the other game is Lions and Chargers. I lean Lions in this game. The Lions are only a three-point favorite. But I think the Lions, who are one of the better teams in the NFC, they're a top-three team in the NFC. They just got smacked against the Ravens. Then they go back home. They beat the Raiders. If you can't beat the Raiders, you just got no luck. And then now you have a matchup with the Chargers. So it's like you're better than the Chargers. The Chargers, though, are no slouches. And maybe they're starting to put things together. For the Lions, you lose this game. And then I think we start to have conversations about the Lions. Like, who do they also really beat? They beat Kansas City in week one, didn't have Chris Jones, didn't have Travis Kelsey. They lost to the Seahawks in overtime. Sure, they beat the Falcons, the Packers, the Panthers, the Bucks. Eh, 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 in terms of wins. Then you lose to the Ravens, they beat the Raiders. You lose this game to the Chargers, and the Chargers aren't even a good win. It just brings up the questions once again, similarly to the Jaguars, are the Lions just a good team and not a great team? And for the Chargers... Maybe you start to earn back the public trust this week by getting a win against a team that people perceive is better than you in the Detroit Lions. Because for this Chargers team, they are lucky, absolutely lucky to be 4-4 four and four right now because you, you may forget against the Vikings and the Raiders, 
They had those two games where Staley went for it like a dope, didn't get it back in his own end, inside his own 30, 35-yard line. If it wasn't for the incompetence of Josh McDaniels having Aaron O'Connell throw the ball at the three when he had Josh Jacobs and then Kirk Cousins throw an interception as well off a bounce, you would have lost both those games too and you would have been out of it. So this is a week for the Chargers. You beat the Lions. Maybe we start to get back in on the Los Angeles Chargers. Coming up next, contender or pretender inside the first nine weeks of the football season. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.